You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going back to the movies again. And that is with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. But before we start, let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, he is that purveyor of pop culture, the genial Gerald Glassford. How are you doing, Gerald? I am well. How are you and everyone else out there today? Uh, I am doing pretty well myself. Um, so it's been a while since we've had you on the show, Gerald. I think it was Dark Phoenix uh, the last time that we had you on. So This is an upgrade. Thank you yeah. for the Marvel upgrade. I truly appreciate it. <laughs> right. so, uh, so what's been going on for you in the last, uh, I don't know, couple of years? <laughs> well, just keeping busy uh, right now as hopefully you'll get a chance and everyone out there after they listen or watch this awesome podcast right now they'll check out my shows uh and the shows i do currently right now is the pop culture cosmos seen and heard every monday and friday and it's available on every podcast outlet plus over 50 internet radio stations worldwide plus also as well uh, you can go ahead and check out the lakers fast break that's heard everywhere you hear your podcast that's three to five episodes every week coming right at you and if you're a fantasy football fan inside sports fantasy football every week as well all right very cool well it is good to have you back on the show gerald i'm glad to be back always good to be here all right and next up he is that marvelous marvelite the jokund jd jackson how are you doing jd Hello, it's a pleasure to be back on. Uh, it was Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think, was the mm-hmm. last time I was on. So, you know, not quite as bad as Dark Phoenix, but definitely an upgrade. <laughs> definitely oh, an upgrade. Oh, no, I Falcon disagree. and Winter Soldier is still bad. No, so... no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we had that conversation already. We did. So I'm... <laughs> Move and, on from but that. we're gonna have a much more agreeable podcast i think because uh i don't know how you could have watched this movie and not liked it yeah so um what's been going on for you in the last few months jd uh i don't uh not much uh still you know surviving this weird covid thing um still you know recording all of our marvel podcasts for level seven access uh with every new show that's coming out um enjoyed loki kind of having a struggle through what if but you know uh aside from that uh not a lot not not a whole heck of a lot well i mean sometimes having not a lot is is a good thing it's better than the alternative <laughs> having a lot of bad stuff so. yeah. i mean like a lot of uh, i've spent a lot of time dealing with personal stuff and not much time dealing with like creating so i'm hoping that that'll get turned around pretty soon 
Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, right now with everything up in the air, it's kind of like sometimes you have a lot of time. Sometimes you don't have any time. So Yeah, like, I, yeah. I uh, we just had my father-in-law decide to live with us for literally six months this year. So uh, <laughs> finally have a house back. Don't well, have in-laws, people. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're thinking about it, don't. <laughs> if only uh, well it's good to have you back on the show it's JD. good to be back <laughs> all, right. all right so next up she is our very own dragon con director and that is the keen kelly harkins how are you doing kelly i'm doing well i'm still in recovery from dragon con which is just last week uh but you know successful considering covid i haven't heard of too many you know we didn't we're not a super spreader event mm -hmm. for all our our nerves because they really put some thought into being careful about it and just catching up on everything that i was buried in beforehand so all good yeah, I, I I was very surprised because I thought that basically Dragon Con was going to look like one of those Star Trek episodes where the plague runs through the planet and everything. And I am very glad to hear that they like really took things in hand first off and made it sure that everyone that attended was vaccinated or tested, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a pot or negative for COVID, not tested positive, tested negative for COVID <laughs> before they would even <laughs> let them in. Cause that was the big question. They didn't announce that until like two weeks beforehand. Yes. And so I was like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people there who aren't doing anything. And so with the precautions in place and everything, uh, I think that that changed things. Yeah. And they had testing on site and vaccines on site, not that you wow. walk in with right on it. So yeah, they, they really tried to put it. I, I think I've only heard of maybe four or five people come back with a positive test since con. Yeah, so. everyone that I know has has posted about having a negative test after Dragon Con. So I mean, yeah, it, it sounds like it was really successful. And so, hey, people, guess what? You can have a big crowded event if you actually get your vaccination. So <laughs> that's yeah. my PSA for this week. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's good to hear that you've recovered, though. Yes, I still have some reports to do and already brains running around for next year. So, all right. Well, it is good to have you back on the show, Kelly. Thank you. Yeah, I think my last time was Titans. Yep. So it wasn't as long ago, but yeah. Yep. And finally, he is our very own Gregarious Gorilla, and that is the maniacal Mark Finn. How are you doing, Mark? Nathan, my former boyfriend. How are you doing? <laughs> We gotta change uh, it up every time, buddy. Uh, I know. Yeah, I know. Wow. Um, <laughs> About yeah, all that's doing... left is legal counsel. So. Right. <laughs> now, I just want to know, Mark. Yes. Of course, in this movie, one of the big events of the movie is the mentioning of Planet of the Apes, and yes. so I want to know: Did you like jump up and down and cheer when they talked about that? Oh yeah, I got, I got, I got super excited. I mean, of course, you know. Uh, I, I have to go home with the date that brought me, you know, and pretty much uh, while that doesn't actually fit Finn's corollary of any movie being able to be made better by the judicious application of a gorilla suit, it's at least an acknowledgement that we have gorilla suits in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I know from a fan point of view, uh, people have been worried about for, you know, ever since uh, probably uh, the second phase, you know, are there gorilla suits? Well, we don't know. I mean, they've never been mentioned. And so finally, I'm glad that got put to rest on the wiki. So <laughs> I'd have to do yeah. a panel on that. <laughs> now, now, Mark, 
Yes. So, so uh, now I'm curious, was your path to acting the same as Trevor's in the movie? <laughs> no, I was never uh, hired by a terrorist organization to perform as their shill. Uh, Wittingly uh, or otherwise? <laughs> no, yeah, no, because that no, he was already an actor before that. I meant the fact that he watched Planet of the Apes and thought, hey, if the apes can act like that, right. what can I do? That's no, what I want to know. Is uh, that your thought process? No, my thought process was she's awfully pretty. She's in theater. Oh, okay. I want to do that too. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Yeah, that was my that, that was as far as my thinking took me in my I, sophomore year of high school. I dare uh, say Trevor had more noble aims than you had. I, well, you know, uh, I dated her for the whole of my uh, sophomore year, and she was a senior. So, oh, um, oh I yeah. take back what I said. Thank you very much. Yes, yes, I accept your apology. <laughs> Man, how are you doing? How's your how's your pinched nerve with the back? Oh, that's actually the... doing a lot better. Thanks, right? Yeah, no. Uh, See, yeah, nobody uh, ever asked you what you've been up to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I until the past month or so, I have never had a good experience with a chiropractor. I know other people love them and swear by them, and it's like every time I've gone to a chiropractor, my pain has gotten worse or not changed. Okay. Um, and uh, my wife forced me kind of to go to the chiropractor that she goes to, and wow, like one, like magical, like the from just the first visit, it was already a huge improvement, and then the subsequent visits, like, kind of brought it, you know, back in line. But that's what I needed. I needed some cracking to get my yes. spine aligned right, and that's what you know uh, would help. The you know, the physical therapy helped a little bit. You know, uh, the steroid mm -hmm. shots helped, but they were temporary. Right. You know, and so it's like, yeah, like if it's all bent out of shape and isn't like straight, like, yeah, that makes sense. So very um, good. Glad to hear yeah. it. Thank Glad you. you feel yeah. better. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on? Uh, well, you might have saw, uh, you might have seen the picture on the old uh, social media or as we call it, uh, us kids, the Facebooks um i lost 101 pounds in the last year yes congratulations Thank lost you. as many pounds as there are dalmatians yeah, <laughs> it's true it's true and i didn't have to make a coat out of my uh out of my spent <laughs> fat cells uh which would have kind of defeated the purpose of would have been a much more disturbing movie oh lie. yeah totally yeah yeah 101 <laughs> discarded fat uh molecules yeah not good so I so that was and it doesn't it doesn't roll trippingly off the tongue, Nathan. Right? Yeah. Um, no. It's so you know I've just been kind of focusing on that, and in the process, I found I had creative energy again uh, after everything, and so uh, I've been doing some fiction writing lately. Um, I think I may have sold a story. Uh, nice. My my zine for fifth edition uh that ran through zine quest three gobsmack just came out and uh i've gotten a couple of nice reviews for it and uh i'm currently planning the next three to four months of stuff and i wrote it all down in my bullet journal today and took a look at it and thought and thought i i've, I've got no time i this is this is too much stuff so i'm gonna have to actually winnow down my i went from I don't think I can ever write anything ever again to how am I going to fit all this in? So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, oh, that's excellent. My return to creativity, which is, has been nice. Oh, very cool. I'm glad to hear that, Mark. Thank you. 
and it is good to have you back on the show as well. Always a pleasure. All right. And it so, sounded more sarcastic than, it, than I wanted to make. No, it's fine. It's always it a pleasure. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And it's always good to have you on the show. Sometimes I listen back to myself after I've recorded things and I think, ooh, that didn't sound quite the way that I meant it to. But at that point, it's like, I'm not going to like redub over myself. So it's I've just got, I've got a filter for you in my head. I got a filter. I just, okay. I just, in my, I just, I just make it all sound pretty. Okay. <laughs> That's good. And hopefully all of you at home do as well. All right. But yeah, normally the five minute controversy would go here, but we've got a fairly big cast and I think we have enough to talk about. So we're going to skip the five minute controversy. <laughs> we're going to go straight to a promo for another fine podcast. And then we are going to talk about Shang-Chi. We're the con guys coming to you straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California. We are your home for news, opinions, and interviews from the world of Comic-Cons and fandoms, your ultimate insiders for all things Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. we're back like we talked about at the beginning of the show we are talking about shang chi and i apologize if i revert to what i have been calling that character my entire life which is shang chi um but you know it is what it is so i'm going to try to be as respectful as possible but just realize that i am a dumb guaylo and you know it's one of those things you know uh, His I, name I, was Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I I may get names wrong uh, and not pronounce pronounce them correctly, but it just it just comes from the fact that you know I uh, you know I'm unused to or unfamiliar with those names, and so that is not my intention, and I'm sure it's not the intention of anyone else if anyone else mispronounces it. All right. So with that disclaimer, literally a lifetime of habits. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I still call I still call the green skinned character in the Guardians movies, uh, Gamera, because that's what I've always called her, you know? And it's because like- Because she's Gamora. friend to all children. <laughs> <laughs> I've always called her Gamera, not Gamora. So, you know, it's one of those things. So, you know, I revert. But yeah, I guess the other disclaimer is that there will be spoilers. I don't know why you'd be watching a podcast about a movie uh, that's come out if you weren't prepared for spoilers, but there it is. So if you're terrified of spoilers, you know, turn off the podcast, go watch the movie and come back and then turn it back on. So, um, but yeah, so uh, my first question is how familiar was everybody with this character before they watched the movie? So um, let's start with you, JD. Uh, zero. 
Okay. Not not even in the slightest had not heard of the character before the announcement of the movie and then had to be like um sure I guess I'm interested in this <laughs> and then had to go and do a deep dive on who the character was and went oh there's some problematic stuff in here I hope they're going to fix some of that and they they did. But yeah, yeah I, no, I, I I wasn't worried about that because I know Marvel's done a really good job of of you know yeah. tone and, and stuff like that. They wouldn't pretty you know they wouldn't present him accurate to the 70s comics. Um <laughs> but uh all right, so Kelly, uh were you familiar with Shang-Chi before the movie? Only slightly. Uh had dabbled in and of course it was much more aware of the Mandarin than I was about Shang-Chi. Mm. But I, I was never into the martial arts books. So that's why it kind of was like, oh, it's an interesting choice. We'll say, yeah. I'm sure we'll get to that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Gerald. Not too much. Uh, it wasn't until the announcement was made that I did a, a deep dive into the character background. What was it about? And uh, I just thought, as a lot of people did out there when the announcement was made, that it was actually a positive sign to, that we could see more diversity in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And to me, I, I thought that was a, a great thing to do. But again, it was, uh, you know, or, was this going to work? It worked once with Guardians of the Galaxy, where we saw this remote part of the Marvel Universe bring bought, bring, being brought to life and being a successful hit from it. And I'm um, was just so glad to see that it finally came to fruition and that you know by all instances despite all the haters out there that it's paid off are there haters he plucked quite a bit okay yes. well i know there's always haters but i mean, yeah, I mean that, he, he mentioned that simulio uh, you mm. know in response you know upon the news that the you know the, the movie itself garnered the such a the, what the largest domestic labor day weekend ever for a movie and that it hits number one in fact it's been number one two weeks at the time that we're recording this in a row that yeah you know the social media posts that he was making that monday in regards to all those individuals that were out there those sites that uh, you know uh, pop culture geek sites whatever they want to call them because they're not uh, to me that i don't classify them as that i could classify them under something else uh, entirely and that i'll leave you know that for you to decide but he made some posts and references to sites that had predicted doom and gloom for this movie and just really this will fail it's going to fail it's going to fail like that and it's without ever watching or seeing a minute of the movie you know that was coming out so i'm very happy and pleased that the movie has had such a positive worldwide response and i'm hopeful for the future of the character i you know just as we'll go into the movie and thoughts on it i just i'm really happy for the movie and everybody behind it yeah, I mean, the thing is, and, and the thing that everyone who's pronouncing doom and gloom on Marvel and whatever project they think is going to be a failure is Marvel has garnered such a reputation that it's always going to be it's going to be the movie after they finally fail that's going to actually feel the effects of the failure. Because and he, and he did no it twice. If you remember, he did it twice. He did. He posted not only on his Instagram, uh, LOL, against all the other videos that had predicted this type of doom and gloom from those sites. He had also, with his stock model past, uh, also posted on his regular social media outlets on Twitter about how he was, uh, there's a stock photo of him 
pointing at a computer during a workplace. And that's just, you know, the way he could go ahead and troll those haters out there. So I (laughs) thought it was a good way and funny way and creative way to get back. Also touching on his past that he could no longer profit off of. Yeah. um, Marvel, I mean, Marvel. Which which tells you don't don't sell away your likeness for $120. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Marvel has garnered such a reputation now that people just go to see it because it's a Marvel movie. So even if the character is unfamiliar, even if, you know, uh, you know, it seems different or strange or whatever, people are going to go see it because it's a Marvel movie. So everybody who's pronouncing doom and gloom now, Mar- Marvel's going to have to consistently deliver several stinkers in a row, I think, for it to even like make a hit on Marvel anymore. <laughs> and that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, but uh, but yeah, so Mark, familiarity with Shang-Chi. I am so old. Oh, God. (laughs) I had the Shang-Chi Slurpee Cup uh, from the 1970s. That's right. They they had Slurpees back in the Bronze Age. Uh, (laughs) Well, I'm I'm actually more surprised that Shang-Chi had a Slurpee dedicated to him. He was kind of a big deal. Uh, You know, this was this was one of the slew of characters that came out in the 70s, uh, you know, influenced by New York uh city and cinema verite and uh, all the other stuff that was going around you know and martial arts was big in the cinema so was black exploitation uh so you know uh it's the w- women's movement you know women's liberation with gloria steinem so that's where all of these cool 70s bronze age titles came from and shang chi was right there in the middle of it and he's one of my favorite characters uh i love him unapologetically um I, now to be fair um <laughs> at my tender age of less than 10 years old th- there there's some phraseology in the original comics didn't pick up on at the time uh when i went back and pulled my old issues out i don't have a complete run so i did i went and got the omnibus is omnibi um, um, omnibi the plural of omnibus is anyways probably um they they were very um they, they were very uh they kept fidelity to the original material which does not age well uh shall we say mm-hmm. uh, uh due to just constant references uh, that the people that supposedly like him, his teammates, keep referring to him as the Chinaman, you know. And so, you, you know, it's it's hard to revisit that because, you know, I didn't pick up on it at the time and now it's all I can see, you know. So, but um, but yeah, I love the character. Uh, I love that that era of, of Marvel martial arts mayhem in the mighty Marvel manner. Uh, thank you, alliterational... Roy and Stan for all that uh, was just uh, perfect for me and where I was at that time. I was very, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. I'm all media, you know, and I could do all media because there were only three things. So, uh, you know, TV, movies, comics, heck yeah, all of it. So, so yes. I mean, the main question, though, is did Shang-Chi ever have to defeat someone for a hostess cream cake? Uh, no, uh, but the Hulk did roll up a bunch of guys on roller skates for stealing his hostess fruit pie. So <laughs> I'm going to call that a Marvel, uh, you know, I'm going to call that adjacent. Uh, yeah, th- those, those hostess ads in the seventies comics are like my favorite thing. Like they're kind I, of the I best love thing those. Ever. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. But um, but yeah, no. So like for me, um, f- my intro to comics was in the '90s, where Shang Chi was mostly gone from marvel i think he might have guest started but because i was familiar with the character i knew the name i knew the basic details so i learned them at some point but i could not point you to what comic that he guest starred in that i know him from um so you know that was the limit of my familiarity much more familiar um with the mandarin uh much like kelly um because uh read a lot of iron man uh in my time um, not only from the 90s, but also a lot of back issues from the night, you know, so reading comics from the 80s and 70s um, with Iron Man. So uh, definitely more familiar there. Um, so, yeah, um, kind of interesting going into this movie. So, um, yeah, and I didn't expect many people to know, because, again, I mean, he is a character that has not been promoted well in Marvel since the 70s and has been one of the ones kind of slipped by, even compared to other characters like Luke Cage or Iron Fist that all right. debuted around the same time, who have gotten a lot more exposure even before there were Netflix series um, for those two characters. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so um, let's talk about the movie. Um, so starting off, let's talk about our main con- character, Sean, the the greatest, uh, you know, uh, Nam de Guar. Um, <laughs> Such an inspired with. choice. Hey, right, exactly. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is, though, as much fun as, um, you know, Katie made fun of that, that's exactly what people do did when they came to america as immigrants. yeah yeah i yeah. mean like they took a name that sounded vaguely close to their name either first name or last name and and you know we're like yeah that's that's who i am you know um and so they you know sort of anglicized uh their names so i mean it's really not that weird uh, of a thing um but but yeah so um what did people think about the portrayal of Sean in the movie? Um, so, Mark, since you were already talking about how you love the character, let's start off with you. How do you feel about? I, I I had the as much as I love him and was a I, I watched all of uh, Kim's Convenience and just enjoyed the bejesus out of it. It was it was the hardest thing for me to get past uh, him as in casting because. Uh, Glacy and Starlin and everybody and Gene Day all were using Bruce Lee as their unofficial, mm. official, unofficial Shang-Chi model. Uh, in the same way that uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson got the part of Nick Fury long before they had the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, in my, it, it, in my head, it, Shang-Chi's always been Bruce Lee with uh conan's haircut Hmm. and and so um uh that was the biggest leap because and and because he galusi he would take stuff like straight out of uh uh uh, stills from enter the dragon so there's there's really famous uh shots of of bruce lee you know doing the face and and he would use that as a promotional piece to advertise the most recent issue of Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Oh, and then you had Rudy Nebras and Neil Adams, Neil Adams and the Krusty Bunkers guys on the black and white magazine, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, and they were doing the same thing. So, uh, so so it was never a question of competency. Uh, it was always a question of you know I gotta I gotta get past this. And what did it for me? When I snapped to it, it was uh, it was the bus fight because 
as soon as he grabbed the laptop, I went, it's Jackie Chan. <laughs> and, 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 and it completely rewired my head. And after that, we were, we were in like Flynn. So. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely have to say that, you know, the, the fight choreography and the fighting in this movie was fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, I, I get that, you know, it's, it's comparing, you know, apples to oranges when you're talking about a TV show, but it made me weep for Iron Fist, which is a character I'm far more connected to and love far more going back into my comic roots. Um, but how bad the martial arts were done in that show uh, compared to the, uh, the movie Shang-Chi. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so um, Gerald, how do you think about, or what do you think about uh, our main character of this? I thought Simu Liu killed it as a Shang-Chi. I think he is one of the two main reasons why you need to go see the film. Uh, I mean, as far as uh, how he was adapted, and like Mark, you know, you, you had some reservations if you watched Kim's Convenience, and I had only watched a little bit of Kim's Convenience, so once he was announced, I thought I'd check it out even more, check out all the episodes just to see what type, but you see that he has really just adapted to it and just made it his own probably one of the best marvel debuts for uh, an actor or an actress i can imagine since the beginning of the mcu as well one of the best he just seemed to fit so comfortably within the confines of what the character will allow seemed to be respectful of the material and seemed to be very excited and energetic about being in this uh, having this opportunity and it just seems to me that it's a great fit I mean, first off, around that time when they announced the movie and they announced I thought Henry Golding or other actors, because Henry Golding was coming off Crazy Rich Asians and that success, and I thought he was going to be someone that would have been right up to the front. But I didn't have a great knowledge of Simu Liu as far as adapting the role, even though I know he was asking me about it on Twitter beforehand, coincidentally, and I know that story's been out there. But seeing the movie i just think he was just such a great fit and I, I think that it's one of the best marvel superhero debuts i've seen in a long time since chadwick boseman uh, of black panther i put him up there with it and just he he was really comfortable it's not like where you had some other characters in the mcu in their first time around were maybe a little bit nervous or maybe a little bit wooden or may, felt they maybe were confined maybe because of the script or what have you just it just seemed like it was a natural fit for Simu Liu and Shang-Chi. All right, JD. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, I think debut-wise, uh, you know, I mean, top to bottom, I think the, the movie is one of the stronger Marvel debut movies. Um, basically, since, I mean, I, I think it's the strongest since Black Panther. So, um and you know, Simulio has a a lot, uh, a lot of responsibility for that. Um, I also think you know, beyond that, the supporting cast in this movie is pitch perfect and and complements everything that's going on just really, really well. Um, so there's a lot of components that make this an outstanding movie. But I mean, I think you can also, I mean, there have been uh we we've had examples of a a not great leading performance dragging down the rest of a marvel movie um so it's certainly possible that you know uh 
even though the rest of the ingredients were there, this could have been a middling movie or not a very good movie. And it wasn't. It was an outstanding movie because Simu Liu uh, was really, really good in the role. Um, and, you know, I fit, I think, with the, especially when, you know, when we start getting the the connections at the end of the movie, which is another thing I appreciated. This movie saved all of the connections to the rest of the craziness until the very end of the movie. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I think he fits in naturally with, all of that. So I, you know, I, I think, um, I, I think it was very, very strong. All right. And Kelly. I echo much of what everyone else has said. Um, I had heard the story about, he had wanted to be this role when he first heard them talking about it, whether that's just internet lore, I don't know, but, um, that he had put himself out there like, Hey, you know, which, is great if it's true. Uh, I think he really did strike that balance. He played the straight man, especially with a, a co-star like Aquafina, uh, but he was also not dry in being the straight man. So it balanced it off. There was still a, a touch of wryness that he brought to a lot of what he was doing that really, you totally bought him into this role of the, this young man who just kind of took off and was like, no, that's not who I want to be. and settled for a little quiet existence in <laughs> parking cars, but then transforms back into something larger than life. And it really fit with that. I thought he pulled off that role very well. And again, yeah, I mean, generally we know that except for very few exceptions, Marvel doesn't always, you know, willing to take the unknowns. Uh, but when they do, they have generally done really well with that. So I give them credit for that. So I was cool. Yeah, I'm I, I'm going to echo most what other people said. I mean, mainly the thing is with a role like this, there's the two sides of it. There's the physical side and there's the acting side. And that is the thing that I say to this day. Again, I'm going to bring up Iron Fist because it's the other martial arts thing that, you know, has been done <laughs> that I thought for sure when they cast Finn Jones that he must be like a really good martial artist because like why would you cast someone in that role if they don't know how to do martial arts? And mm. then we later learned he knew nothing and did not want to train because he felt like the stuntmen could do it all for him. So, um, you know, which is one of those news bites that has come out recently that, you know, the, the fight choreography was like, yeah, our star didn't want to train, you know? And so that was a big problem for that show. Whereas obviously... Uh, Simu Liu, if he did not already know martial arts, must have thrown himself into the training, or he knew it already because those fights are great, and he did a fantastic job, and I was looking for the stuntman in several scenes, and I could not find the stuntman, so I think <laughs> a lot of that was him. Um, and um, and yeah, and, and then the, there's the acting side of it, and again, Kim comes across as very sincere, you know, uh, a guy with a, you know, fairly troubled past that is as well adjusted as you can be under those circumstances, I think. But there are those really nice quiet moments, uh, you know, in the movie where he's, you know, really bringing that to his character of the reflection and, and you know, the, the, you know, being upset with himself for going through with, you know, murdering someone, you know, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, like, uh, again, I, I bought all of that, you know, he he showed the emotions of the character. So yeah, I felt like it was a really um, strong performance there. And I just got to say, I mean, we, we've vaguely commented on the fight scenes, but this is 
fight choreography wise, probably the best example in the MCU. I yeah. I mean, yeah, because I mean, it was clean. It was clean. You could follow the action. And that I was mean, one of the key things. I, 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 you know, the bus scene happens and I'm like, this is the best, this is the best fight scene I've seen in the MCU ever. Yeah. And then not even 20 minutes later, the movie is like, yeah, but have you considered the the one on the side of the building? Have you considered that fight scene? And I was like, I had not. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, then the movie says, have you considered Wong versus the Abomination? Have you considered? <laughs> I had not. And I, I still don't understand why that's there. But thank you for this treat I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to come back to that with the uh, sort of connections. But, um, but you know, yeah, that- I... I'm sorry. I just want to say real quick, you know, I I was um, like everybody else. I was a little worried about how this was going to fold into the the Marvel universe in terms of um, overall story, uh, but I wasn't worried about it being a Marvel movie um, because because my my now well established uh, critical theory. Nathan, that you uh, know about how everything in all the Marvel movies is uh, family-related daddy issues. Um, this character had that baked in. Like, we didn't have to yeah. retcon anything. We didn't have to tweak some stuff. Nope. He's hated dad from the get-go. In the 70s, he was like, screw you, dad. So, he was hating dads was... before it was culturally relevant to hate dads. Totally, yeah. I mean, and and so I love that this uh, uh, that they lean completely into that. Uh, and, and the whole time I'm watching it, I'm I'm like, yep, we're back to this again. And and, and I, it sounds like I'm I'm criticizing, and I'm really not. I think it's inspired, but I I think it's proof that everybody working on these movies in a creative capacity is Gen X because. Uh, we are the latchkey kids that that have unresolved issues uh, for all of this. So, and a wave of listeners said, "What's a latchkey kid?" <laughs> I was a latchkey kid. <laughs> it's, so it just it I just felt like it was a Marvel movie, like right out of the shoot. And it wasn't until those two end credit scenes that I was like, "Oh, I get it now." And so I know you're going to talk about the rings later, and and that's my that's my counterpoint to what you're going to say about the rings. So okay. we'll. I'm holding on to this. Okay. I will redeem this later. Okay. All right. Well, um, so I'm going to start us off on this one and I don't want to be interrupted. I just want you guys to hear me out. Cause I feel like, because everything that I've heard from everyone else, I, I, I'm kind of surprised about because to me, this is a movie with a villain problem. And that's not anything against Tony Leung, who I think takes what he's given and, and gives it 150%. Um, and his performance is great with what he's given. And even watching the introduction, I was like, oh, they've retconned the Mandarin to be like this immortal warrior who's all like the great conquerors of Asian history. They were all the same guy, except he just changed his name and kept going and everything. And I was like, okay, that's interesting too. I'm really in for this. Um, but the thing is, when we get the actual character, you know, in the movie, he's not really a villain. You know, he's not really, he's, he's sort of kind of an antagonist, but really he's just trying to get his family back together. And for most of the th- movie, he's just, yeah, I just want to get the family back together. That's all I want to do. 
And then it's like, oh, but by the way, I'm hearing these voices and I'm going to go take out this village. And But he, he never wants to hurt um, his son, you know, or his daughter. Um, the stakes seem very low until three quarters of the way through the movie, we're told the actual villain is this faceless monster with no personality. And basically when we get to that, it's just roll initiative and it's a D&D game. And it's like, again, visual spectacle, beautiful and everything. But there was never a real antagonist against the characters to progress them forward. And it felt to me like that kind of hurt the movie because there wasn't a strong impetus, you know, to ever actually do anything. It was kind of like, yeah, we want to go to the town where mom grew up and, you know, dad might do something bad there. So we want to save them and whatever. But it was never kind of like the stakes that we're used to in a Marvel movie until it's like oh by the way there's this thing we didn't even hint at until the movie's almost over is here and that's why this is really important and i just felt like that sort of pacing and setup and everything was problematic again nothing against tony leung i get why he's an award-winning actor um you know like i say like the the looks the things he does with the subtleties that that you know and and, and even the anger that we finally get when sean calls him out on the fact that you're the reason mom died you know, that's probably like the best scene for his character right there is it's just a few seconds long, but he's able to show like just how angry he can be with a look. And then it's the shove and, and he goes, you know, his son goes in the water. Um, but but yeah, I was I really wanted something more um, from that character. And I really hate that they just killed him off and had him as a just like a once off kind of thing. Uh, I felt like I, I was much more interested in what was he like before? <laughs> I want to see when he was when he was the world conqueror and the guy that was controlling everything in the shadows. Uh, I, I felt like I would have been a lot more engaged with that. So um, that's that's kind of like my one issue uh, with the movie. Um, so uh, thoughts on that, Kelly? Let's start off with you. I actually agree with you. Um, I was it was an interesting character, but it, it, but suddenly he in a very awesome fight scene, meets the woman that, you know, he respects and admires. And then suddenly it's squishy. And it's like, what? I would have loved them to do a little one-off like they did. I mean, he left Trevor alive. <laughs> it's like, wait, I, that's what the one area that I had an issue is. It felt like as much as I loved a lot of these things in the movie, it's at like, it felt like the, this is the setup for the Eternals. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that because that was the other thing was that I didn't buy the romance either. Um, I felt like it needed to be established better, but they didn't have time to do that. So it was just like he fought her. She kind of liked fighting him. And then it's like, I'm going to abandon my whole way of life for you. And you've changed completely. And I get that they had like a picnic and something. And there's probably a few other events. But it just seems like that's for a guy who's lived a thousand years as you know, uh, uh, you know, someone as bad as, as like a Hitler, you know, like to just suddenly be like, Hey, all right, we're, you know, I I'm going to be happy now. We're going to play DDR, you know, and raise a family and, you know, I was just like, yeah, I don't buy it. Powerful. And then just be like, Oh, I'm hearing my wife's voice in my head. Let's do something not good. I, I think it could have been solved easily doing a little short piece kind of bridging that distance and maybe showing him more of what the 10 rings is like currently. I mean, 
the stuff that we're talking about with tying it into, you know, Iron Man 1 and some of these other things, sure, but that's all kind of more fan-driven than Marvel-driven. Yeah. No, and, and that's the other that's the other part of it is it's like, I wonder, and I wish they would have done something more with it, if he did ever actually give it up. But then it makes his wife look like a like an idiot that she thinks he gave. Because like, for instance, he was gone when the people came and, and, and killed her. And I'm like, he's still running the 10 rings from somewhere else and just lets his wife and family think I've given it up. I really have. But again, we never did any like like they never hinted at that or anything. That's just sort of like my headcanon for it, because, again, I mean, he's smart enough after having lived for a thousand years to know you can't just be like, hey, I'm out, everybody. And, like, you know, it's just going to go OK. So he must. Yeah, I don't know. It, there, there are problems with the scenario. Um, but uh, yeah. So, um, J.D., what did you think about um, our villain? Uh, or I should just call him not the Mandarin because I don't think we we got a name for him, but it was only said once. Um, um I mean. I, you have to grade Marvel movies on a curve to a certain extent um, because like Marvel movies are not the place where you go for uh, compelling villain arcs. So uh, as you know, as compelling villain arcs go in the MCU um, in, in MCU movies, I felt like this was one of the better ones, especially for, you know, character introduction movies. Uh, or, you know, villains that have only stuck around for one shot. Um, you know, it's, he's not, he's no Killmonger, that's for sure. But, you know, he's also- Or Loki Kill- or Obadiah Stane. I'm thinking of all these villains, and I'm like, they're all uh, better. <laughs> but I mean, like, you've you've mentioned now, well, Loki also wasn't a one-off villain either. No, fair enough, but I'm talking about Justin Thor. Like, we graded just on Loki and Thor. Right, but I mean, like, outside of that, uh, I mean, you know, you start having to scrape the barrel pretty low once you get past that. So, um, you know, for what he was and, and for his purpose in the story, like I, I appreciated the fact that he was more complex than just I, I am evil and I'm going to do evil things because I am Asian Hitler. Uh, like, you know, I, I, I appreciated that he had some nuance. I appreciated that he had, you know, basically a, a chilled out period for a while. Um, I I thought that those were all compelling angles to his character. I wish the movie would have had more time to spend with him. I wish we would have gotten more of that. Um, but, you know, this was more of an origin story for Shang-Chi. So his origin story and his background and motivations kind of had to take a back seat to that. Um, I kind of wish we would have gotten like, you know, especially now that we have uh, Disney plus like his backstory would be something fascinating to go back and look at in, uh, in a Disney plus series, like you said, kind of going back through, uh, you know, following him around in history with the 10 rings, but you know, for what he for what he does in this movie and for what he is, I I think he's effective. I don't think he like drags the movie down noticeably. He's not Whiplash or Malekith or you know some of the series' worst villains. I mean, he's fine. He's serviceable. All right, um, Mark. Okay, so I have thoughts. First of all, um. 
the, they were dealing with fire to begin with. They, they were, you know, they had to sidestep the issue in Iron Man 3 and not without some internet grousing. Well, to be fair, though, that was always in the because there was the short that they made right after Iron Man 3 that was already made. So they knew there was going to be an issue that they established there was a real guy. What I'm saying is, is that is that they is that this was this was their workaround and and it, and it angered a lot of people. Um, and because they were having to sidestep the use of Fu Manchu right uh shang chi's original dad uh completely you know uh i mean he's the he's the archetypal uh eog you know evil oriental genius i mean he's the he's the yellow peril writ large uh right and from what i understand even the comics they've retconned the mandarin as his father so that yeah you know yeah i had no issue with that and the Mandarin got an upgrade in the in the late 80s. He started wearing the Armani suits and hanging out with Psylocke, you know, and 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 got, got rid of the the robes and and the the um, the Confucius style hat and all that junk. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think what you I, I I don't think he's I don't think the Mandarin's gone. Uh, I think that character changes. Um, and, and and they've made it very clear that sister is going to take over. I mean, yes. she's ar- she'd already run a criminal empire. Right, right. But that, but that's that's a completely separate thing, because that has to do with the end of the movie, which I was very excited for. We're not we're talking about within the movie. Within the movie, I did not have a problem with him being absolutely blind to reason for wanting his wife to come back mm-hmm. for reasons which should be obvious. <laughs> right. No, no, no. no. And I, I, so I, I absolutely yeah. sympathize with that, uh, that he would, that he didn't care that he uprooted his family, pulled them out of their lives and uh, took away the things that their mother gave them that were, you know, the only like, tangible evidence that they had of her you know it's it's not really it's not so much a an evil thing to do but it's definitely a dick move for that uh, abusive and controlling father figure that they both ran away from you know uh he didn't get and it's a dictator move (laughs) yeah he didn't give shang chi a choice he forced him to train and we and we see him being beaten with rattan canes and bamboo canes uh, and he forbid his daughter to train who had to do it in secret. Mm-hmm. I think there's enough in there, you know, to sort of make the case for why they left. <laughs> and so, um, uh, the, and the fact that he, you know, finds the, the hidden village, uh, not because he wants to be happy, but because he, uh, he wants something from them. He's convinced that they're holding his wife. So I think that all of that, plays i i I buy the fact that they fell in love and then the more she talked about it the more they they got to know each other the more she realized oh his soul is swimming in evil because he's been the guy that's been mowing people down for a thousand years uh this will not do you know uh it, it worked for me it worked for me but i also think that they had to hand that off 
they had to hand that off, especially going forward with their uh, intentions of opening the Marvel Cinematic Universe up. Um, I, I don't think that a thousand year old uh, immortal guy with complete mastery over the Ten Rings is that interesting because uh, he's kind of done everything he needs to do. Well, that's fair. If I had gotten to see him as the villain in one movie rather than basically the dupe, he's the dupe in this movie and everything is is sort of gone by the fact that he is a dupe. Like if his wife had disappeared mysteriously, I would understand, but there was a body and he's like, no, she's behind this gate. It's like, there was a body. So it's not like, you know, I mean, again, like the whole thing was he was a dupe. And so like, and yeah, he did some mean things, but he was not really a villain. He wasn't really, he wasn't, he wasn't the, like, uh, like a, for something that we wanted to put into the cosmic scale, which is another thing, but I didn't, in the same way, I didn't feel like Spider-Man needed an Iron Man suit. I don't feel like we needed to give Shang-Chi these, these super powerful rings, but we wanted to put him into the cosmic scale. We needed a cosmic threat. And we made that the faceless monster, you know, rather than, like a character with personality. And to me, that like was weaker than having it be a character as the threat I, that needed to progress him to that level. I, in, the whole time I was watching it, I was seeing that as he doesn't care what he has to do. He doesn't care who he hurts as long as he gets to his wife. You yeah. know, he, 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 he does not have, he's got no buy-in with the fam with the family. In fact, they've made it clear he's not welcome. And so, you know, this is this is him. This is him uh, flying in the face of an edict laid down by his father-in-law, and and sister-in-law, who who've made it very clear that they have want nothing to do with him because he's he's evil. We have to. I guess we have to take it on faith. I thought that the the opening setup where we see you know the destruction that he hath wrought. Uh, I, I that worked for me. Uh, but then also, we also say he completely changed to the point where he gave up the whole thing. So we're saying he was redeemed. And so it's like, and he's not really that guy anymore. He only like seems to have any interest in getting into the hidden city. He's not doing all the bad things he used to do. Like, it's one of those things where it's just kind of like, again, it's just kind of like, it's not, you know, there's not a lot going on there. I, I, I think uh, I'm more of a romantic than you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that's i think this is what it is you're you're pragmatic i'm uh i'm a poet and okay. so i Fair so enough. i uh, the musicality of of what he was trying to do was not lost on me is okay. i guess where i'm at so and i i appreciated having you know like again we're talking like having the dweller in darkness which is a very obscure marvel character show up was pretty cool um and you know, I it was it fit in his power set to manipulate people to try to free him from behind the door. So, like all of that worked for me. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have a problem with any of it. I was I was happy, and because I also know this is this is part one of what's going to probably be three Shang Chi movies that will also have connections to other things as we have have uh, been given clues to and I, mean, so. I mean he's far from the first marvel villain that you know uh ends up not being redeemed but you know seeing more of the error of his ways towards the end of the movie um and you know i i think the movie very strongly implies that he's been doing the terrorist stuff 
most of the gap between when his wife dies and present day. There may be another reason for this. Now, I normally don't like to speculate, Nathan, but what if they are intentionally dialing him down a little bit so that later on when they introduce another certain dysfunctional family foursome and they introduce the uh, villainous doctor that uh, opposes them, they can turn him into the villain. Because Mandarin's, he's a big deal, but, you know, he's already problematic for the cinematic universe, but Doctor Doom... Yeah, but we've already... May not be. Well, I mean, we've got Doctor Doom coming sometime, for sure. That's my point. Even though they haven't announced it. But we also have another character who's already been telegraphed in Kang. Uh, So, you know, that's another one. I don't think Kang is going to show up until later. Well. Okay. I think I think Kang is the long game, and I think Doctor Doom may be the. the I don't mean he's already been confirmed for confirmed for Ant Man and the Wasp three. So I mean we know we're seeing him at least by then. So Kang. Kang or Jonathan Majors. Well, Uh, one of the incarnations of (laughs) Kang. Maybe it's Ramatut. Who knows? (laughs) I I want to see them do Ramatut. All right, but anyway. (laughs) <laughs> all right but gerald we've all been talking what were your thoughts on uh are not the mandarin well tony leong for me I, I mentioned earlier that there was two reasons why i, I give shang chi and the legend of the ten rings a thumbs up and tony leong to me it was one of them i, I think he's one of the better marvel villains i put him i, I know that there's you know thoughts for and against him as far as his performance is concerned i I'm really high on it. Uh, I, I want to be clear. Better. His performance was great. I think the script didn't do him any favors. Well, yeah, that's, and that's, that's all and I want to say. That, right. I mentioned the two performances being the key outliners. I think there's, when you get into the story, pacing, CGI, some other things out there, maybe that's the reason why the movie is not a, you know just a slam dunk home run. It's a very good movie. Mm. Uh, people may even think it's a really great movie, but I, I really think that, uh, you know, the first two things that I come to mind when I say the film is gives me a positive review is, is from seeing Liu and Tony Leung and seeing him after all this time, after so many years as a martial arts legend coming mm-hmm. to, I think this is his first U.S. production. If I think he mentioned that during the course of filming that this is the first time he actually worked with the U.S. production crew in Marvel, just to see him adapt so easily into this format and just do such a great job not only just handling any language, uh, you know, barriers that that might have been there, and it just didn't seemingly was there at all because he was just did such a tremendous job of being able to express himself in any way possible regarding whatever situation he was at. And yes, he he comes across as someone who has lived a thousand years as an overlord and and someone who has dominated on so many levels, but he met his match and seemingly was taken aback by it and was willing to live a comfortable life and a family life at one time. And you saw in the movie, it all goes awry and the way he handles it, you know, obviously those evil tendencies came out and that's the way I'm sure any a Marvel villain is going to handle it in that same type of situation, as far as a, a love that is lost from them. And I really think that Tony Leung handled it very well. And I, 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 to me, I just love the interaction between him and Simu Liu, and I, I, I cannot express uh, enough positivity on their relationship, and I think it's the cornerstone of the movie and why it works so well. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess to just like make my point a little clearer, I don't buy that a thousand years of evil can be under like I wish they had taken the immortality part out like they just been like he was this kid he grew up he was a bad guy and then he met this woman and he changed his ways but a thousand years of evil cannot be undone by one fight I I, I just don't no and it doesn't it redeem me. him but the fact that that's on your mind and the fact that you know whatever he does to go ahead and try and redeem himself at the very end or redeem himself in the first place after he gets married and sees the error of his ways I mean, obviously, it doesn't redeem all the bad that he's done in his life. But still, I mean, the fact that it's on your mind that it could be a possibility that he could get some sort of redemption was just credit to Tony Leung himself. Yeah. All right. So um, then we also have Katie. Um, and so why don't you start us off, Gerald, on, uh, on Katie? What do you think of Aquafina? Uh, Aquafina to me is a tremendous actress. If you've seen The Farewell, The Farewell for me was my movie of the year for our show that I picked, uh, I think 2019 when it came out. She did a tremendous job in that film and I thought she deserved plenty of acclaim. In this film, I think, you know, she has that comedic side that everybody knows Nora from Queens from the successful show that she does in Comedy Central and you've seen her in other movies of that ilk playing the type of Aquafina role. I'm just not sure if it's the best fit in the world. I think it's something that she and Simu Liu have obviously a nice relationship with each other. They're very friendly, very comedic. I'm just not sure it came across as well, 100%. It, used, it showcased her best talents. I'm not sure if this film showcased her in the best of lights. I just think that, uh, you know, she was just supposed to be some type of comedic foil to Simu Liu. And Simu Liu, again, it's been talked about, he did such a great job of, of standing on his own that sometimes it was just being, you know, whatever Aquafina was just doing was just off to the side. And I, I don't say it was a, a misuse of Aquafina. I just think that they could have utilized her in a more prominent role, a better role, or maybe just gotten her something a lot more. I just, I just felt she was underserved and undervalued in this film. Okay. Mark. Um, you know, I, 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 I could, I don't really have an opinion about her. Everything I've seen her in has been light. You know, uh, I see been... the farewell. That's a lot different. Okay. Um, but uh, I understand why they took a lighter tone with this. I think that's a, that was a calculated decision. Um, I was initially a little concerned because they're singing karaoke but I, you know, I, the, the more I thought about it kind of as, as it went along, the more I realized that, you know, Darcy was a breakout for Thor, you know, half of the Guardians was a breakout for the other half of the Guardians, you know, uh, and, you know, Scott Lang had the idiots in the van, uh, you know, Spider-Man has Nate. And so, you know, Ned. having somebody to bounce that off of and having somebody to be our reaction, uh, our, our our pov into the character for lack of a, of a better buy-in you know because because my shang chi knowledge didn't really have much of an application here except for you know being able to check certain characters that popped up and go oh yeah him cool you know but the rest of it you know you need somebody to 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 go how is it you can do that so that he has to tell them and uh so I, I was cool. I was cool with it. I, I you know, I obviously she's going to stick around and they're 
chemistry is inarguable. The, the two of them acted like best friends. Also, I really appreciated the fact that it was not a romantic relationship. That you was, made the part I, point I was going to make, Mark, because yeah. that was the thing. But go online. Yes. Everybody wants them to hook up. And I'm like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> and that may be where they end up taking them. But I, it yeah. does. I just, I hope, I hope it doesn't. I, I really, I really do. Uh, I think, uh, I, I think it's important that some people can be friends with members of the opposite gender uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe without having to hook up or get married or die in a fire or throw yourself off a cliff or, you know, what have you. Uh, th those friendships are, are far uh, more rare than, than, than the relationships that, uh, that, that flourish and blossom and become. I just said I was a poet. Screw all that. They should never get together. <laughs> <laughs> Love yeah. is stupid at the end of the day. That's right. Love can eat a brick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, JD, what do you think about Aquafina's Katie? I mean, she's great. Uh, I I think she's a highlight of the movie. I I uh, I th they have a very easy chemistry, which definitely helps. Um, I think she. Uh, I think she actually kind of downplays the goofiness to an extent that you know i some of the other marvel mcu comic relief characters have not been able to do yes. um so uh you know i appreciated that there was uh you know they the script writing on this uh i felt like did a very good job of establishing them as friends and made that relationship very believable even down to the Oh, they've been friends so long. When are you going to hook up with my granddaughter? Comment and mm -hmm. them just being like, "No." Um, you know, I I I found all of that very believable and very engaging. It helped humanize Shang Chi quite a bit. Um, it helped, uh, you know, I think give extra stakes to the movie. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I think my one complaint was. She apparently is the best archer who has ever lived somehow magically. Um, I, I was just saying, like, that thing was like a thousand feet in the air. Being able to shoot a bow, I don't think, I mean, like, and only after all, a day like, or two of training. Is... Shooting a bow is not easy just on its own. <laughs> Guys, they were glowing blue. They're magic arrows. Oh, no, sure. I, I understand <laughs> that they're magic arrows, but... I mean... You know, thank you for mentioning that about her. I wanted to real quickly add that when I watched the trailer, the way it's cut together, it's every single goofy face and and weird and and exclamation that she makes yeah. all in one like monster cut. And uh, it makes you think that she's going to be that way through the entire movie. And instead, what they did was they got all the stuff from the bus and and one thing from outside the bus and and then the rest of it she she's way more toned down and believable and so that that helped a lot she's not even as as like strong of a quit machine as some of the other uh comic relief characters have no, been she's which no is Darcy. again not not a not a indictment or a, or a complaint because i think marvel leans way too heavy on uh, no, this character is actually just a quit machine. They're not a human being. They exist for snippy one-liners, and that's all. 
Um, so I was, I was glad that she got some depth and I, I, again, like I, I really bought into their relationship. I, I thought it was very good. Okay. Uh, and I thought she was very good in the movie. All right, Kelly. I was going to bring up the archery thing too, because that is something that irks me having, having done archery quite a bit. I was like, <laughs> okay, magic arrows. I get it. The dragon. Yeah, I get it. But still. Right? Hawkeye's going to be pissed but, but somewhere. But that's the tip. That's the tip. It's not the part that actually flies. So they puncture more because they're magic, but they shouldn't fly farther. So <laughs> right anyway, now. It's... I mean, yeah, she's just standing there. <laughs> but still. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, training montage. Um, <laughs> Hawkeye, Hawkeye is sitting somewhere like, am I a joke to you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say uh, I was a little worried when I first heard about her being in it because uh, especially Disney itself has been kind of being like, ah, Aquafina, we'll just keep making her the same character over and over again. But and I was when it first happened, I was a little like, oh, I do agree they toned her down, you know, so that she got to be a little more subtle. There are times though, I was still like, like, I'm going to go with you to China. And he's like, what? Uh, okay. <laughs> so it's like, sure. And how is this family affording you to go to China? And he just dropped down his black MasterCard, you know, his 10 rings MasterCard, just <laughs> damn wet. <laughs> That's probably why dad knows where he is. Um, because they don't but... take American Express. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so some of those things I was kind of like, eh. and then of course getting included in the end scene too. It's like, oh, you're going to be an adventure. You're hanging out here with us. But that, that one do... arrow that she fought, that shot like impressed Wong so much that he's <laughs> like, you're a superhero now. Serious arrow. So I have hesitations. I think she, like I said earlier on, I think she was a good balance. Uh, she definitely was the humor line but she wasn't only the humor line. So I hope that uh, if they really do continue this on, that they develop her a little more fully and let her use her chops a little better than just being, you know, the, I'm the stubborn friend who's going to stick with you till the end. And why didn't you tell me about your life before we were, you know, 14. <laughs> so it's like, what? <laughs> so You're a CW I, show now we are through. Exactly. Yeah. I was now like, you you're awfully needy. He doesn't need to tell you every bit of his past. Jeez, calm down. Right. True. No, and I don't have a problem with that. But you'd think if they were as close as they were, maybe if she said, Why'd you tell me you grew up in Burbank? You know, or something, you know, what kind of story did he tell her, if anything? You know, it just seems very blank. But those are all very minor quibbles. I have no past whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, it's very minor quibbles. Um, and again, those are things that throwaway lines could have taken care of, but those lines might have been on the cutting floor. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I so so I think I'm closest to Gerald on this one, although I came into it with a very like I haven't seen a lot with Aquafina. I've seen bits and pieces of Nora from Queens. I've seen Rand and the Last Dragon, you know, I've seen some things. There is something about her that really rubs me the wrong way. I do not find her funny. Um, and uh, I find her very annoying. Um, and uh, so I liked, and here's the funny thing about the movie I liked Katie. I didn't like Aquafina, and both were present in the movie. Whenever she was being Aquafina, I was cringing and like, oh no, no, um, we don't need this. But whenever she was Katie, like the quiet moments, like on the airplane, 
where she's asking him and she's even hesitant to ask him about like did did you go through with it you know like that i liked that i was like yeah this and i like the their friendship i liked a lot of the things she did when she was actually being an actress rather than being like look at me i'm being funny you know like except for i will say the one thing that made me genuinely laugh a lot was when he looks at like all the money she's holding after the fight <laughs> and he realizes that she bet against him and the look she gives him that i thought was a generally comedic moment that i thought worked really well also, I, I think my favorite gag in the entire movie is is him telling the backstory uh, and being interrupted by the uh, the flight attendant. Yeah, that that was very funny also, but that had nothing to do with her. So I, I did bring that up. But yeah, um, but uh, all right. And so then we also have um, we also have um, his sister um, who. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be able to pronounce her name. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say she's his sister. Um, so <laughs> She is the new Mandarin. Uh, right, exactly. So yeah, now we can talk about that post-credit scene. Um, but yeah, what do you think about this? Kelly, start us off on this one. What do you think about the sister and her story? I This is one of the, one of the issues I had. It was like the okay, I'll tell you all these deep, dark secrets. And yes, my dad's a crime life. And oh, by the way, I left his sister back there, but you're not going to find that out till we're in the fight scene. <laughs> so, and I have, I'm terribly guilt-ridden about it, but I don't mention that either. So, uh, you know, again, it was it's calculated part of the script. You don't want to drop everything at once. I understand that. Um, it... So I was like, as soon as they kind of let, I'm like, oh, this is, this is going to be this. I was a little telegraphed. Um, I pretty much figured it was going to be her from, you know, showing some of the little back scenes and things. Um, I feel like we're kind of getting a little Sharon Carter vibe from this too. And mm. it's like. I thought <laughs> about that, but I, 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 I don't understand why they would do it if it's a she's really going to be a nice 10 rings kind of thing so i'm not i don't think she is but i'm not sure sharon carter is going to be the nice version either so oh i thought that you were referencing because that's what everyone believes but me is that that her thing at the end of of uh falcon and the winter soldier is fake and i was the only no no i think oh, it's no. real you know so. I, I think it's real too <laughs> but i i kind of it, to me, it feels like it's kind of fitting that mold. Like we're going to tailor this now for a, a new you know, world that we're in now. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the case. Maybe not. But I knew she was going to end up not dismantling the Ten Rings for sure. So I mean, that was pretty obvious. I, I like the character. I like the fact that you know she was so stubborn that she trained and on her own. And if Dad's keeping that much track of his kids, he knows that that's all going on. It it was a little safe to do you know the the path they took with her but you know you have to have that foil and that family tie and obviously he's not going to run the 10 rings so all right and mark oh um i'm a i i love the 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 tension between them you know uh you know dad liked you best uh this just digs into the family drama it's all grist for the mill. And I, I, I like the idea. I, I, th I thought it was a very, I thought it was a very casual throwaway line. You know, where's your sister? Oh, she's uh, dismantling dad's uh, criminal empire. Uh, you know, and, and my, and my first thought was, I mean, I didn't, we didn't even get that in scene. And I was like, 
<laughs> you idiot. No, she's not. <laughs> she ran so the underground fight happen. club and, and had, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars going through her hands. There's no way she's given this up. Are you nuts? It's all she's ever wanted. She wanted your job, the job you were trained for. She wanted that. And, and she so, uh, it. so I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a hoot, you know, and, you know, again, and we get the, now we get, uh, th this this gets even deeper um i bet you she wants the rings back wouldn't that be fun and maybe she's done some studying on what the rings what else the rings can do and maybe she's got a plan for those rings so i can see i mean they've already said the 10 rings will return so yeah let's uh let's get let's get funky with the cheese whiz uh, you know I, I, all of that i'm ready to double down on that was a very specific wording they used too. It mm. was indeed, and it makes me wonder. Well, I, it's obvious if Wong's involved that those ten rings per se are going to be the new Maltese Falcon for Phase Four. But, um, but you know, whether it's a reference to just those or the the Criminal Empire, you know, uh, I, we haven't seen the last of, I, I don't think any of this. I think this is just the beginning. So yeah. do you yeah. think they're going to be the MCU's version of the hand? Oh, I think, well, yeah. And I think it'd be, um, well, I, you know, with She-Hulk, we're supposed to be getting, uh, uh, Jessica Jones and, and Matt Murdock anyways. I, I can't it. imagine that, um, they couldn't fold the hand in. The hand is part of the Ten Rings. It's one of the arms of the Ten Rings, and it doesn't even realize that it's a it's a puppet for this much larger, more evil organization. You know, it's like Amway. They just stack yeah. up until there's like three people at the top getting all of the laundry soap money. I do enjoy evil bureaucracy. All right, so, all right, so Feige... Feige is so hell-bent on erasing the Netflix stuff. So first of all, I don't believe Jessica Jones and Matt Murdock are going to be on She-Hulk. Second of all, this whole movie was basically like, we're going to create our own Khan Lun. You know, we're just not going to call it that. And it's like, oh, and the Heart of the Dragon, you have that, Shang-Chi. And like, all this stuff was basically Iron Fist erasure. Like, it was all basically saying, we are throwing Iron Fist over here and saying it never happened. And we're creating our own version of that and all of that stuff and all the tropes from it. But with Shang Chi, and that's instead. a shame because you, you and I both want Heroes for Hire and Nightwing Investigation. Oh no! I believe me, I, I, Daughters of the Dragon is the series that I want most of all. But yes, yeah. I mean, but but yes, um, um, Heroes for Hire also. Uh, yeah, I would love for that. I hope, I hope you're wrong. I hope that this is just a way to kind of get some space in there so that they can bring it all back selectively. Yep. I don't think anybody would mind if if Iron Fist got a do-over or was quietly shelved for a little while. And I know no one's no one's even saying the word in humans out loud for fear <laughs> that it that it'll show up like Beetlejuice in <laughs> your home forever. So, you know, the, all that being aside, you know, Punisher and, and Daredevil and Jessica Jones and well basically everything about, those were all widely considered successful and people liked them. And I'm hoping that they'll see the writing on that wall and go, you know, we, this ain't broke. We don't, we don't need to fix it. We just need to get it under the umbrella. So I don't know. I mean, they did bring Quicksilver in. So <laughs> not really though. Uh, all right. So Gerald, 
<laughs> what do you think about the sister? I think she has a future and a place in the MCU. I like the fact that the 10 rings will continue. Dot, dot, dot. So we'll see <laughs> where we goes with that. Could it be something that is just going to be incorporated with another Shang-Chi movie? Or will they try to branch it off, like has been suggested, into something Disney Plus-ish? We'll see. I mean, who knows these days where the MCU is going to be leading, but they now have even more possibilities with, with her and I, I thought she did good. I thought she did well. I think thought she played off the brother sister resentment scenario there very well. I, 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 she obviously has very motivated reasons why to be first very angry with Simu Liu and actually still has issues with Shang Chi going forward because of all those resentment issues because of what happened with the father and his preference towards Shang Chi and not her. It's, you know. And the fact that she's going to be building the Ten Rings on her own and build it in an entirely different fashion. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm just curious to see whether or not they're going to lay it out in future Shang-Chi movies or perhaps something different, maybe in an episode arc on Disney+. Plus. I am really hoping that they start doing this more. Like, you know, how they kind of generalized Loki to appear, like, in Avengers and stuff like that. I want to see more of villains who turn up. We have heroes turning up in other heroes movies, but we don't really have yet villains who turn up in other people's movies. And so I really want to have that, like, to have an organization where it's like, this shows up everywhere. You know, like it's yeah. not just a Shang-Chi thing. So yes, I am hoping for that as well. Like an um, extension of what Hydra used to be as far as it was lurking everywhere. You could always tell it was always some part of whatever movie that they were working on. And now since Hydra, obviously from the events of what happened with Winter Soldier, I mean, now there's it, something that needs to replace it. And the Ten Rings seemingly had operatives working in both S.H.I.E.L.D. and hydra and they could extend that and be like this underlying force this underlying entity uh, that continues to grow and grow power as time goes on so we'll see what happens maybe for a secret invasion perhaps (laughs) see you again sharon carter um so jd what did you think of uh of the sister i i thought i thought the character was great i'm i'm glad that they didn't forget that they had unresolved issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were able to temporarily set aside their problems, but you know, y- you know, you, you don't apparently forget just getting ditched like that, and you don't forget the fact that you've been running an underground fight club for the last like ten years and getting rich off of it. So, uh, I I was, and I, I think you know. Uh, having her just kind of step into that power vacuum then kind of assume the mantle. Like, I think that's where that's going is, you know, she will be assuming the mantle of the Mandarin moving forward. Right. If not by name, then at least by position. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued for that. I would love to see her turn up in a bunch of other stuff. Um, I think, you know, Jonathan majors as, as Kang in various incarnations uh, is going to be kind of an example of that where he just starts showing up in people's movies that he's not supposed to be in um, because that's kind of the nature of his character. But I would love to have an organization like the 10 rings 
just kind of show up and be a persistent problem. Like, oh, that's who was bankrolling this plot that caused this to happen. That that sort of thing. It'd be nice to have, you know, some kind of of cross continuity like that. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to bring this up until later, but I'm just going to say the biggest thing that I was expecting and was disappointed by its lack in this movie, which again, this is a very, this was a very minor nit, was <laughs> I thought for sure they were going to say or give some context, especially in that intro where they were showing like the Mandarin's past is what was up with Iron Man 1 why were they in bed with Obadiah Stane? Why did they kidnap Tony Stark and ask him to make weapons? What was going, what was the context around that? And they did not give that to us. They explained what happened with the fake Mandarin from Iron Man 3, you know, but they never went back to Iron Man 1, which is the one thing I was like, oh, they're going to finally give the 10 rings in the background and explain the one thing that's been lingering since the beginning of the MCU. And it's like, no. No, we're not going to do that. So I, I, I would like them to do that eventually because I was like, I, I want the backstory there. I want to know the other side of that story. That's where the fans are filling in those gaps. Yeah. They're just doing bad guy shit. I mean, that's all. Yeah. Bad guy stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, as far as the sister goes, I found the sister's story really great. I mean, I felt like she was uh, far more compelling than anyone else other than uh, Shang. Um, she, uh, you know, the whole idea of not only did she have to do all this on her own without any support, but then the idea of her brother basically straight up lied to her that he'd be back in three days and never seemed to, I mean, if he worried about it or thought about it, it obviously didn't wear at him for years and years and years because it's almost just like, oh man, somebody mentioned my sister. I just remembered I have one of those, you know, it's almost <laughs> yeah. the way it comes off. And it's like, oh my God, like you totally abandoned her. Like not just like abandoned, but like mentally abandoned her. Like, you know, and so uh, the fact that she has an ax to grind is super legitimate and I completely understand it. Um, and then he comes back without even an apology. It's just kind of like, uh, hey, we're in trouble because dad's coming, you know, like, but it's not like I am really like deeply sorry for like the years of trauma. I must have. No, it's just like, hey, we, we got a problem. We got to handle just like dude. we should work together. Why? Right. And, and I was I was going to make it, you know, a problem with the movie if it ended with we've connected because we yeah. found mom's village and now we're happy and we're going to link arms and we're brother and sister again. And so I was really happy with that post credit exactly. scene. because I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that doesn't erase the, the trauma that he has given this woman and the fact that she has basically replaced all of that familial love with having followers slash you know like that is now her love is the devotion others give to her you know that is the family that you know is basically like taken from her and so like yeah she she craves that and she's going to want those positions of power to have to have those those people that are people that can't leave her because they they know that if they leave that they're dead you know and that's and that's interesting it's psychologically interesting it's interesting from you know like uh the standpoint of just um you know the character arc that's going on and i thought the actress did a great job um portraying it um i also will say that um I, I, I do like Ronnie Chang and I liked his brief appearance and the fact that at the end, he's still there like next to her throne 
you know, she brought him from the fight club over there. So <laughs> I like seeing him and I do find him funny. Um, <laughs> hey, good lieutenants are hard to find. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're only as good as your number two man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Again, evil bureaucracies. They know she, she's aware. Um, and, and I totally agree with you, Mark. I think that uh, a future movie, if not the next one, the, the third one or a group movie or whatever, is going to have her trying to get the the i mean we keep calling them the rings because the movie calls them the they're bracelets okay they, those are not the rings those are <laughs> those are 10 bracelets she's gonna get the bracelets from uh from <laughs> that's, they're that's ring what she wants. shaped yeah i know ring is a shape i get it but it's not when you think all of a ring bracelets are rings but not all rings <laughs> are bracelets <laughs> um so yeah let's talk about the the other connection you know the connections with the greater marvel universe because the movie put in a scene right in the middle to make sure that we know all right guys this is in the marvel universe make sure that you know you know that you know that we're not we're not pulling a fast one on you and then we got that mid-credit sequence um which which was um i I thought excellent um yeah and uh and so yeah i'm just gonna give my two cents first on this um I, I want context for the Wong and Abomination thing because while it was kind of fun, at the same time, I want to know why Wong was doing it and, and why he was doing it somewhere where he is recorded using magic, which is something they're not supposed to let the outside world know about. So I, 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 I'm hoping in either Spider-Man 3 or in Doctor Strange 2, we sort of get the rest of that story because that felt really random and very strange and other than a hey guys we are in the marvel universe i don't know why it was in the movie the second one though the, the mid credit scene that <laughs> was everything that was felt like a legitimate connection the idea that wong showed because something powerful just appeared and wong shows up and is like we gotta look at this thing you know that was great and that shows yeah we have a shared universe we got all these smart people powerful people we bring in banner we bring in captain marvel does it look like alien tech no although it should be um does it look like magic no it doesn't look like magic you know like uh, bruce is like yeah you know like nothing that i know and it's just like that's really cool that's those like little marvel touches that i love but it's like we don't need to bring in like well-established characters to support somebody in a solo movie like as as like they're there as like a buddy the whole time i like those i like those little touches that make perfect sense but you know speak to the fact that this is going to be part of a larger universe so i really appreciated that i also thought that the thing with captain marvel like piecing out and being like bruce has my number and then he's like she she does this all the time and <laughs> i don't have her number I was like, with her beeper still with her beeper i thought that was fantastic because you know that's the kind of like humor that i really appreciate is is like the more subtle you know like uh humor yeah, like I, that I don't, so. I don't have her number yeah and he looks maybe a little disappointed that he doesn't have her number which is also you know kind of funny but um but yeah jd let's start with you on this one what do you think about like sort of our connections to the greater marvel universe and and, i mean i i think these are really really solid mid and post credit scenes uh and yeah it is just the right amount of um just the right amount of connection it it doesn't it doesn't out 
outweigh or overstay its welcome. I, I am, unlike you, uh, I don't think we are ever going to get any context for Wong and Abomination doing doing a fight club together. I just think that that was... I, I don't know. I think there's a Disney kind of Plus throwaway. series in it. If we want to have like Wong's fight club as like a Disney Plus thing where he just puts two Marvel characters. But I mean, together. the fight club doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, I think that that was just, I mean, I, I think it really was just a, hey, everyone's still in this universe. Um, I don't know why it was Abomination that was chosen. That was very random, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I liked I liked the two credit scenes that we have. I thought that they were both very good. Uh, I think, like you said, uh, I, I agree with the um, the one at the the Sanctum Santorum, which like it was the Sanctum Santorum actually fulfilling its purpose in the MCU. Like that's that's what it exists to do is to take you know magical artifacts like that and try to figure out what the f they are. And I, I was glad, uh, I was glad to have it be used properly and, and have that connection there. Um, and yeah, the, uh, the gag with Captain Marvel, uh, was a really good mid credits gag. Uh, didn't, you know, very understated. Uh, I thought it was all very good. And then of course, um, the stinger that we get with her, taking over uh the 10 rings i thought was very good and very compelling uh and i was glad that we had that as well so yeah it was a good job um some of my favorite mid-credit scenes i think definitely some of the more effective ones uh in a while yeah jd well i don't know what that scene was about i'm going to tell you why the abomination was in it because i know because okay. I think they've been telegraphing pretty hard that they're going to do Dark Avengers. And yes, they're reestablishing the abomination with people who might not have been re-watching all the Marvel movies from the beginning and might have forgotten about him. So that when he shows up in Dark Avengers is their whole analog. Well, it is good that they remember that nobody saw that movie. I'm <laughs> glad that they are at least... Because they really do think that people saw Thor The Dark World and they're wrong, but... <laughs> At least they're cognizant of the fact that nobody saw that that Incredible Hulk movie. <laughs> I wish I hadn't seen it. Uh, it's very bad. It's not it the is, worst. It is. It is. But my it's least very favorite bad. MCU movie. Um, I love that movie unapologetically. Oh, it okay. is. Uh, it's not as bad as Iron Man two for me, but it's it's mm. right behind it. All right, Kelly. Uh, well, I you know I was rewatching some little pieces and. I definitely feel, again, as all the credit scenes are, you know, is tying it into that bigger story. And I was watching the trailer for No Way Home, and it very much looks like the exact same luggage and everything when Wong walks out of that scene in the trailer and then shows up in, uh, in Shang-Chi. So I'm kind of like, okay, that makes sense, you know? Mm. So that's why he's not there to say, don't do this stupid thing you're about to do to Spider-Man. Um, and that ties in then also with, also to me, I, I, I got the abomination stuff, but then it also made me think of, you know, all the deviants that they're going to be bringing in in the Eternals. So I'm like, are they going to be threading it through some of this? 
was the thing I know that you know the thing behind the shield maybe that's tying into that too and that's why I keep feeling like this was the lead into Eternals um, and yeah to me that was the brain is like okay yeah it's not alien tech like Captain Marvel knows are obviously magic and by the way it's an underground fight ring so it's okay to do magic no but they said <laughs> that they record they said they record all of the fights so and that's put it I on saying. the dark web right on the dark and web on the dark nobody web. goes it's on the dark web <laughs> totally where different. all the dark internet surfers can find it um anyway but to me that that's kind of leading into all of that you know the few deviants we've seen in the trailers for the eternals look very much like like the evil dragon uh, that's what i just keep calling it um that they fight as the big bad so i'm like seeing that in there but yeah I, and i love the beeper because you know it's Marvel from the 80s so um so a lot of those things i thought were tie-ins thoughtful um it kind of also i thought i was expecting more little drops to other things and maybe we'll realize they were later on because you know that's the way marvel works and you know, whether it's secret wars or whatever uh, because they've been talking they're starting to have little notes drop on some of the casting of that stuff very quietly you know, along those lines, so I'm like, hmm, you know, and obviously Marvel has realized that these limited series are the way to go because they get huge numbers, practically break Disney Plus. So I think we're going to see a lot more of those and we're going to see more of these mid-credit type scenes, more little drop-in scenes to tie more of these in so that they can feed off. And maybe one day people going to the movie theater will stay for them. I think there was only That's two a big people ask. that left out That's of mine. That's a big ask. Yeah, I, mine, I always I, see like half to three quarters of the movie theater get up as soon as the credits start. And I'm like, what are you doing? And <laughs> mine, you nobody doing? left. But Yeah, I, mean, but I, I think two people, you know, and that hmm. was it. I mean, you have to be, again, you have to be pretty hardcore MCU right now to be willingly going to a movie theater to begin with. So I was not surprised that, you well, know, Well, yeah, this time left. I went during a time when there was like three other people in the movie theater, but like, because that was deliberate choice on my part because of COVID. But like, in general, you know, like in, in, in 2019, when I was going to see these movies, like half to three quarters of the movie theater was getting up and leaving. Yeah, but I think the they're learning. Circle. So, and there was a lot of press as to how many cutscenes there were, how many things like that they were dropping. And I live in the town that the mouse built, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Gerald, what do you think about those, uh, the, the tie-ins to the greater MCU? I think it does a good job of that. I was concerned with, you know, it being placed on an island. And they were going to have the movie, and that was not going to relate a whole lot to the M MCU. But it, one of the things that it does, it obviously it does a, a good job of a self-containing story, because basically character-driven. I think that really what creates the movie, but also does have some tie-ins to it. But I, I agree with you. I think the one flaw that they should have had if they were going to totally discount the Mandarin is at least explain a little bit more interactively how integral the Tony Leung's character was in, in regards to the Ten Rings and how it incorporates into the original Iron Man, et cetera, et cetera. They only barely alluded to it. They had the video there. If you looked at the security screens of the actual video of you know, them setting up for that, that original video that you saw of, of, of Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Iron Man when he was doing the hostage scene. I mean, you just saw a little bit of glimpse of that setting up and all that. But 
there was not as much alluded to on that part of it. And I think that's a little bit of a fault of, of the, the screenwriter's story and Marvel, whoever you want to throw blame to on that one. I just think it should have done a better job of setting that up. And then uh, in regards to the future, though, I think that those end credit scenes do set up a lot. I think that th these are two of the better end credit scenes that Marvel has done simply because of what it does to set up the future for not only Shang-Chi, the Ten Rings, but also where he is going to lie as far as the future for the series going forward. Because they needed to go ahead and make a statement in regards to Marvel because of this phase really hasn't gotten started too much. I mean, it, it, most of it's been TV oriented that's helped them propel this phase. I mean, Black Widow, uh, Black Widow, I could go on all day on in regards to where it should have been placed because I've been such a big supporter of Black Widow movie for all this time. But one of the things it couldn't really do is help set up much for the future of the MCU because it deals so much in the past. So I think that this this movie did a good job with those end credits primarily of doing a good job of that. And I'm hopeful for the future. I mean, I'm excited. Coming out of the movie, I was really thought, okay, this is a pretty good movie and whatnot. And coming out of those, those end credit scenes, I'm really even more excited for what's to come in the MCU. Yeah, in our Black Widow um, episode, Gerald, we talked about the fact that, or at least I feel that, Black Widow and Captain Marvel should have been reversed because it was more important to get Black Widow's story before she dies in Endgame than it was to set up Captain Marvel, who's barely in Endgame. If she just showed up and they were like, this is just somebody that Nick knew, it would have been fine for that movie because of how small of a time she has in it. And then you well, could have explained her backstory after Endgame. But well, the like, movie takes place, the storyline takes place in 2016. Here's right. the thought. Go ahead and bring out the movie in 2016. Right, but it wasn't okay back then because of the, the management structure of Marvel. At the, I'm saying yeah, something I, they I could know, have done I, I is transpose them. It, 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 you know, Captain Marvel and Black Widow, but but yes. I don't think you're going to get much argument on that, and I'm a huge right. Captain Marvel fan, so. It, the next yeah. group of kids that comes along in five years and they're watching everything in the order that it's presented on the Disney app, the Black Widow movie is going to be right where it's supposed to be after uh captain america three civil war i'm not sure I because the wanna, post credits I, uh would is sort of spoilery so i'm not sure that that is ideal i just want to mention one thing though that that leads into that this end credit scene with captain marvel and kelly mentioned it that i wasn't the biggest fan of captain marvel but i am more of a fan now after this credit scene i think uh you know brie larson is coming more into her own with each and every appearance of this character she's becoming more comfortable in it we talked about this with simu liu just being this great fit for shang chi right off the bat that was one of the things that didn't sell me is that i didn't think she was comfortable in that role in the movie but in a end game she was more uh, expressive she was more comedic she was more uh, you know uh, she her personality her acting skills seemed to, to flesh out more and I, I think even such a short time i think you know her comfortability in the role is becoming more and more apparent and i'm i'm interested and intrigued to see where captain marvel 2 or excuse me the marvels or whatever they're going to end mm -hmm. up calling it it's just more like the marvels at this point so I'm, I'm more excited about brie larson's character than i was coming out of captain marvel at this i point. see i agree with you but the funny thing is she actually filmed endgame first before they filmed captain marvel so it yeah. is weird that she seems more comfortable in endgame when in fact they made that first i think um, a lot of it was a script writing it goes back yeah. to yeah, we go touch back to on the script writing i think i think a lot of it goes to what she was given because she's an academy award winning actress she has had tremendous performances on the screen before and 
sometimes the material that you're given, you can't, you're put in this box. And, and I just felt the movie she was put in this box. Now I see her like Thor, similar to Thor, similar to Chris Hemsworth. He's been given, he, with Ragnarok, he was given this nice, big, broad brush to go ahead and say, go ahead, show off what you can do. I feel that the MCU and Marvel's now asking her to go ahead and do the same thing. Yeah, I, I hope they give her that same treatment when the Marvels comes out. I, I yeah. hope that that's a consideration when they're filming that movie to just just let her, you know, really Show, take over that character. Yeah, yeah, just mm -hmm. take over that character, embody it, give you know your take on this character, and and really kind of cut loose with it. All right. Um, so, Mark, though the ties to the greater MCU, <laughs> what do, how do you feel about that? I am the biggest Hulk fan in the room right now. Uh, so uh, I feel really stupid when I get that just glimpse of the abomination. And my first thought is that can't be the abomination. I don't know who it is, but there's no way that could be the abomination. And then I look at the dragon in the water and I go, I wonder if that's Fin Fang Foom. I was wrong on both counts. And so uh, initially upon realization that, that it was the abomination and moreover that uh, that the abomination and, and wong were were playing mortal combat for realsies um with one another i thought my my thought was okay that's cute that's cute it's a little bit of fan service that's cute um and, and but it's but then they get off the stage or they get out of the arena and Wong calls him Blonsky and, 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 you know, says, you know, you got to work on your defense. And, and so I'm like, okay, well, they know each other. That's going to be a thing. I was, um, I'm a big, I, I love Wong anyways. Uh, I think the fact that he doesn't have an action figure yet is Wheelie Wong. I think that's just <laughs> terrible. Um, I'm sorry. Was that out loud? <laughs> Um, and so, uh, but, but no, I, uh, uh, I don't know where abomination is going to truly fit in here, but, uh, I trust them to, uh, tell us, um, probably with Dr. Strange, if not sooner, uh, kind of what Wong's doing, where, where he's going, what's, what's been happening. You know, I just, I, I just have to be patient because I know we've got 10 years you know, you know, potentially before all of this, you know, comes to fruition, hopefully not, hopefully they can wrap it all up in four or five, but, um, the, everything is a long game. Everything is, is short yardage, uh, and, uh, you know, just m moving it a little bit at a time down the, down the field. So I don't, um, that was a sports metaphor, Nathan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just, I know that much. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't know. You, you know, <laughs> my my okay. hatred of sports is well known, but I know the basics. <laughs> okay. Well, so but um, I you know so yeah, everybody that was in there was great. I'm I am more concerned about how uh how Bruce gets back to Banner and not yeah. Smart Hulk. That was that was a hmm for me. Well, uh, he got to Smart Hulk without them showing that either. So, I mean, I just felt like there's all sorts of Hulk stuff they're not showing us. But he's also still got the broken arm, too. Yeah. Those stories are some of my favorite uh, of the Hulk run. Peter David's issues were uh, a real high point back in the day. 
And so I'm kind of bummed that uh, we had to skip over this because Universal is a putz. Um, so I'm hoping that they can get that all sorted out because I would love to see Joe fix it in Madripoor. Um, uh, you know, but what we got is good. The the allusion to the Ten Rings being something else is great. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure how that's going to tie into uh, the multiverse or even if it does. I think you it know, was setting be... up Eternals. It's going to turn out to be like the Celestials made them or something. Well, like yeah, there's no telling where they're going to go with it because clearly we're in the weeds already, you know. Uh, for for those of you listening to the podcast under the age of 70, the original Mandarin uh, wore rings on his fingers and each one shot a different ray. Uh, and that was very vexing to Iron Man because, you know, just as soon as he'd set up for the ice ray, the Mandarin would hit him with the fire ray and he'd be like, oh, no, I got to do some stuff with my armor. So um, what we got here instead was something a little more generic, but also a little more powerful. And, I, and, and you know, I got the impression. Nathan, I think that it was just for the martial artsness of it, that it was well, more dynamic in its movement. Because, yes. yeah, obviously, like, I felt, and I know you're referencing this because of my Facebook post, but, yeah, I, I would have much rather had each one of those bracelets have a different power rather than just generic electrical. So both force field, kinetic energy, and shocking, and that's all they do. You know, it's kind of like, eh, you know, fire, ice, mind control. There, there was some, there was some, there was some blue flames at one on one of the things. My suspicion is that we have only seen the beginning of what the rings are are capable of doing, and I suspect that there will be a, a, a an appropriate amount of escalation. Uh, ringically speaking, uh, as we go through the. The, the the various movies and appearances so hang in there buddy you're gonna get your freeze ray i'll but bet they, you betcha. we saw them all using the same power so they don't each have a power and that's what and i wanted it be, and i'm telling you that we're not through yet for all you know uh they're just waiting until the third movie when when because because if if people see that i know the internet if they they will literally be it won't matter if simu liu breaks his arm and cracks his back and opens his skull on a fight scene like jackie chan if if the rings do the same thing they'll be like yawn uh, so I know they're going to have to escalate something. Hopefully it won't be bodily injury. Maybe they could just send Tom Cruise and he could bounce off the wing of an airplane. But the, I think the rings are a great way to show, you know, as the mastery improves and as they figure out more about what they do, it unlocks certain things, you know, in a D and D sort of way. Right, they're attuned yeah, yeah. to them now. Right. Um, all right, so Mark, I, I did want to give you a platform to talk about the box office and about the you know uh, uh, the movies being released to theater. So um. it's it's insider baseball. I don't know how much you know anybody really wants to. Well, well this is the reason why I want you to just say a few words because obviously we don't have any time to to go off long on this. But because everyone I know just thinks about the fact that they want to be able to download and watch stuff from their couch. And yeah. they don't think about the impact that it has on theater owners like yourself. And so yes. I, I do want you to have a moment to, to, to talk about that. Right now, the industry, we are sucking so hard, we're generating our own gravity fields. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, 
that's to be expected um, because, you know, California is still battling lockdowns and, and uh, all sorts of things. And so the studios are having to make an economic decision. I don't envy that. Uh, and, but, and, but in my case, it's a little more pronounced because I'm in a small town in kind of the middle of nowhere. Uh, so, you know, my friends in the Metroplex are, are flipping out, trying to figure out the most remote place they can see the movie that won't put them in contact with plague victims that will also give them a chance to see it, you know, as it's supposed to be experienced. So I, I'm sympathetic to all of it. In fact, there's, uh, they're looking at doing an, a second stimulus package for us because of how much longer this is, has gone on. So I was, I was emboldened and heartened by the 90 million opening weekend number. And, and also Marvel's or Disney's, you know, uh, rather um, disingenuous announcement that uh, uh, we're going to let the Eternals come out. It's just a, a, a box office hit. That, that'll be great. And so, uh, you know, I think that's, I think it's great um, th that they've managed to, that, that Scarlett Johansson has managed to shame uh, Disney into doing the right thing for other people may be the greatest superpower trick that Black Widow ever pulled off. Uh, and everybody should be very grateful uh, for her doing that because she uh, she checked a great Satan uh, with that little stunt that they played. Right, because this is also about the artists making the money that they deserve also on, you know, uh, so that's that's the other consideration. You like the content these people make. Streaming you know. services in, in past on these contracts have been akin to uh, ebook sales for authors. It's found money. Uh, you know, they've already, they've already put the hard work in and produced the book or the film or the, you know, whatever. And so releasing it in a digital format lets us charge less, but take more from the middle so we can afford to give everybody uh, a piece. And, and, and it's sort of a, a harmless transaction. I don't mind paying $3.99 for a download and, you know, everybody gets paid. Uh, the difference is, is that those contracts are very specific with their wordage. So uh, I'm ready for things to uh, unfuck themselves. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. I suspect I will still be struggling uh, by the end of the year uh, with everything, but I will, I will tell when Black Widow was in the theaters and I was, I actually, this is funny. I had more people see Black Widow in, in, in my theater than they than Shang Chi, which was odd. They came, my more people came for Black Widow. What's well, a more established character? The name recognition is. I, and I there. also think that was the first like uh, moment. You know, we can leave the house. There's a Marvel movie out, but uh, I was uh, standing out with the Thursday night crowd uh, the, the movie was playing and the credits were going and a guy comes into my life. He, he comes walking my lobby and he's walking fast, which told me he's a smoker. And uh, I, he, he said, man, that's pretty good, man. That's a trip. And I said, uh, you know, there's two things, you know, there's one in the middle and one at the end. And he turns at the door and says, Oh, that's okay. I'm sure I could find that online in a second. I just, Waved after and said, "That's not what I wanted to hear." Uh, so you know, that's what I, even in a small town where high-speed internet kind of doesn't exist, that's a that's a thing that I'm having to address. So um, 
you know, I don't care how they do the right thing as long as they do the right thing. We're, st we're still their first best option. I don't care how good your TV is. I don't care how good your sound system is. You are one dog needs to go to the bathroom away from, from having your immersive experience interrupted. You're one crying child away from, we have to pause this movie and put her back down and get her a drink of water. When you go to the theater, you don't have any of that. You're, you, it's, it's intentionally, willfully set up that way to take you somewhere else. It's the cheapest form of time travel we have. And so there's a reason why we go there to both be isolated and also connected to that larger crowd. You cannot get that at home. And that's not to say that, that watching things at home isn't great. It totally is. You can sit around in your underwear. You can eat your snacks. Everybody wins. But it's not the same experience as when you have to put on pants and you have it's to sit It's not the same the experience theater. as being in your underwear in the movie theater either. You do you, buddy. You know, however that needs to happen. I'm know. just saying, you know, you were like, you can do that at home. I was like, actually, people can do it in the movie theater. It's they, just they, not, they could, you know, it's it, not it, appropriate. It does, it does risk a different reaction. Yeah, yeah. they just probably shouldn't. Yeah, right. the, yeah, the movie, yeah, the movie won't stop to pull don't. him out. Right. So. <laughs> But, uh, but, but but yeah, no, I mean, we'll get yeah, that. Just... We'll get that. And th thankfully, the Marvel movies are event based and and can and can continue to be so. So uh, I think as long as we can all sort of hang in there until maybe Spider-Man uh, at the end of the year, uh, whoever's left will be able to turn that corner and maybe we can start getting back to uh, a new normal. Yeah, I just wanted that, you know, people to hear the other, you know, perspective, because everything I see is, oh, man, why are they making Eternals like, you know, theater only? I want to be able to download, you know, like, it seems everybody only thinks about that side. And so right. I wanted to make sure that people are aware, like, you're paying the movie theaters, you're paying the artists who get kind of yeah. screwed over when they, you know, they don't hit the numbers that were, yeah. when they signed on to make this movie, nobody knew about COVID. And so yeah. that, that wasn't in the contract. I, I, know, I know that. everybody wants to experience Eternals, you know, cheaply. In case, in case, in case, <clears throat> and I quote, is the Eternals the movie that breaks the Marvel Universe wide open? No, no, it won't be. Uh, but I get that you have to say that because you're trying to click uh, on your uh, website and get a bunch of likes. But I do think that, um, you know, it, yeah, it, it is very short-sighted because there will come another Star Wars movie in a few years. And you're going to wonder why it's not in theaters and you're going to wonder where all the theaters went and you're going to be like, but I've seen every star Wars movie in theaters. I feel like yeah. I should kind of, Oh, right. I was the one who pulled all this off of the internet uh, from the dark web uh, along with the Hulk uh, and abomination uh, cage match when I should have just forked over nine bucks and worn a mask or, you know, bought a yeah. $14 bag of popcorn or whatever. So, uh, yeah, everything. I, I will fully support you. I was there for Black Widow. I was there because I am all about seeing the theater experience. So you're one of the good ones, Kelly. I, I, I'm the you. same way because you're doing the Lord's work, Nathan. Yeah, if I can, if I can find like that Sunday afternoon when nobody is at the movies because they want to go in the evening or whatever, you right. know, like that's the time I go. So you know, like I say, there was like three or four other people in the theater, and so that's that. Keeping myself safe, and I'm still seeing the movie in the theater. Um, but but I we just gotta... wanted to say one thing, if I okay. can, real quick. 
Sure. And that is, uh, I did go see Shang-Chi and Black Widow in the theaters, and cool. I don't regret it. Uh, I, again, yeah. got to try and find a safe place uh, in a safe format in which you can as, as best as possible those circumstances. And I know a lot of people are going to try and justify themselves. Okay, with no no time to die, I think um, people, okay, maybe I'll just see that on, on video. Okay, with Spider-Man, No Way Home. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go say, okay, I can justify not seeing that in theaters. There a matrix resurrections even okay I can just say you know what maybe I'll just go ahead and check that out at, on HBO Max day and date but there is one movie that you cannot afford to miss above all others because it is so visually striking and that is Denis Villeneuve's Dune mm. you you, you got that one of any of these films all of these films you should go see in the theaters in fact I'm going to try and make an effort to go see these films in the theaters but dune is the one movie that you can just see pop out on screen that you cannot it, it just it hbo max will not be able to do it justice i don't want anyone to put themselves in a place where they feel like they're in danger but just understand yeah and i know and i don't want yeah exactly be safe and, and obviously that safety is the first and foremost concern. right but 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 to understand the consequences of going just to streaming what it means long term like mark was bringing up movie theaters could just go away you know i mean yeah, like it could be a thing absolutely. like we, we talk about them like you know uh you know like any other thing that you know it isn't but around you can anymore. tell a lot of these individuals out there on social media your friends or whatnot they're all waiting for it to hit home theaters right or right. waiting to hit it to any streaming outlet the thing is though there are certain movies or event movies which you should go see in the theaters to help support the actors, actress, the crews, everyone out there. But, you know, nobody can tell me they, they should prefer to see a movie like Dune, which is just, you can see, just pop off the screen and say, you know what, that's better off on HBO Max for me. I hope you're right. Yeah, plus I have no desire as, you know, a, a, no, I don't have a family. It's just my husband and I. So to spend 30 plus dollars to get it legitimately, it's not worth it for me. I'll, I'll Go to the theater, spend my yeah. 18, 20 bucks, and I get the experience rather than. Right. You, t- you two could come to my theater and get, uh, get two tickets and, and split a combo deal that would give you each a small popcorn and a small drink with real butter on the popcorn, by the way, Kelly. Real butter on the popcorn. And that would cost you 25 bucks. Mm. Well, there's a deal there for you. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure the plane ticket will make it affordable too. <laughs> okay. Well, now see, all right. You know, obviously we don't factor in travel and gas, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I uh, Gerald, I hope you're right about Dune. Uh, I, 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 I don't at... know about the substance in the story. I know the reviews have come out and said that, you know, it's all, it's all show and no go, but you know, I, I honestly thought that um, I was really surprised to see that it was going to be uh, out in that format uh, on, on uh, HBO max, because he was one of the guys that pitched a fit mm-hmm. uh, when AT&T opened everything back up again. Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of surprised that he capitulated. Um, but I, I mean, does hated... he have a, can he have, like force them not to, I think they, Nolan they was the only it. one with tenant was the real time yeah. that someone put their foot down, a director put their foot down and really got their way. And unfortunately I think that, you know, Tenet was brought out at the wrong time. It should have been delayed yeah. till a more uh, acceptable time. And I think it would have uh, benefited from that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to table the Dune discussion because I, I don't want it to be bad, but I have grave misgivings after Blade Runner. 
So. Yeah, let's. Oh, we would have to have a talk on Blade Runner because <laughs> I absolutely love Blade Runner. <laughs> all right, all right, but yeah, now we're now we're getting. Invite me on the field. show. We'll we'll uh, we'll chop it up. <laughs> all right, but um, yeah, if there are any shout outs about Chang Chi that you want to give while you're saying goodbyes, that's fine. But we got to keep them very short. Um, but uh, yeah, let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us. Um, and so let's start with you, JD. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JD Jackson and my podcast is, uh, level seven access. Uh, I am one of five hosts of that podcast. Uh, so come and listen to a bunch of people vaguely argue about Marvel stuff. All right. And Kelly. Uh, you can find me at Dragon Con, of course, every year. We also have a very active Facebook group that uh, talks about all kinds of geeky things all year. And I've that's pretty much it. I'm when I drop in on you, Nathan, or other people. So. All right. And Gerald. I mentioned the other two shows that I do on a regular basis, but the one I think that's most fitting for this show is the Pop Culture Cosmos. We drop the latest news and information and new, new latest news and trends in the world of pop culture each and every week, every Monday and Friday on every podcast outlet and also over 50 internet stations worldwide. All right. And Mark. Uh, you can find more podcastery from me at thegentlemannerds.com. Uh, and uh, if you want to follow me, I am an indolent uh, Twitterer, uh, but you can you can catch me uh, at Finn's Wake or uh, you can hit me on the Facebooks um, and uh, you can search for me and I'll pop up. Uh, um, Mark Finn, I've got an author page and I've also got a page for the publishing effort uh human gorilla creations and you can do a search for that and it'll pop up and that'll keep you in the loop on uh upcoming uh publishing projects games and my my forthcoming website and either patreon or substack i'm not sure which maybe both all right and yeah i'm just going to leave everybody with the thought that i had earlier which is it's okay for men and women to be friends and not to be romantic partners. And so keep Sean and Katie as friends. It'll be fine. I promise people won't leave the movie theaters in disgust because there wasn't a hookup. Um, but yeah, um, Mark, uh, Kelly, JD, and Gerald, thank you so much for being on the show this week. I'm so glad you got to see me. Yay! All right. It's a great show, everyone. Thank you. That's it for our Shang-Chi episode. We hope that you liked it and you can let us know in a variety of ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website at 42cast.com and leave us feedback on any episode, including this one. You can also go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also tweet to us or go on Instagram at 42cast and leave us feedback in either of those places. And you can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. With Apple Podcasts, the reviews do help us because they prioritize us on searches the more reviews we get, something along those lines something to do with their algorithms, but basically more reviews means more exposure for the show. So we would appreciate if you would do that. Also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. It's a way that you can help all the shows on the network. You can contribute some funds. There are various tiers. You can get early episodes, exclusive episodes. There's a whole exclusive podcast on one tier. So check that out. If you've got the funds and you want to help, we would appreciate it. I also want to let you know about my two other podcasts. First one is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. We're reviewing all the episodes, and you don't have to find the episodes yourself because we explain everything that happens. So if you do have access to Classic Who, 
and you want to watch with us, you'll get a little more out of it, but we did it this way because we know that it's hard to get a hold of Classic Who in the States and probably in other countries too, so uh, we wanted to at least put enough of the information out there that you can follow along with the podcast without watching the episode. Also, I'm doing a show called Legendary Forces, also with Juliet, but also with Ashley, Corinne, and Joe, and we're going through all of Star Wars media, the fictional stuff, not like magazines and stuff like that, the reports on Star Wars, and we're just not only reviewing the material and saying whether or not it's any good, but we're also talking about how it sort of informs the development of the Star Wars universe. Not just canon, but also like ideas and ways that things work in Star Wars. And then we say at the end, is it worth you checking out? Because even though a lot of that older material isn't considered canon anymore, some of it's good. So we sort of parse through all of that and let you know whether it's worth your time checking out. But yeah, in other news, I mean, obviously on these more recent episodes, I don't feel the need of recording a special intro and splicing it in because we do the intro in the beginning of the episode anyway. So I'm not really giving all the updates I normally do, but actually not a whole lot has happened since the last time. So there's not a whole lot to report and all the con stuff is pretty much the same. So instead of me rambling on with stuff that you've heard a million times before, I think we're just going to end it here. Obviously trying to get my hands wrapped around the podcast, make sure that we don't have any other long delays. I know we've also kind of lost a week between the last two episodes, because even though none of them were two weeks apart from each other, because there was sort of a sliding scale, we're now effectively out a week again, and so I want to make sure that doesn't happen. But at least the release schedule is a lot better than it was, I would say, a year ago, or even two years ago, especially. So we're continuing to improve, so I hope that counts for something, but... Looking forward to the slate of Marvel movies coming up. Looking forward to the slate of Marvel TV shows coming up. And we're going to try really hard to prioritize getting the backlog done in 2022 so that we don't have so many older episodes because we've still got some from 2019 that we still need to air as well as the ones from 2020 and even a few from 2021. But we're doing a fairly good job Most of the 2021 ones will be done, will have aired by the time 2021 ends. So it's mostly just going back, catching those few 2019 and 2020 episodes, getting those out. So that that way we don't have any more like real holdouts just hanging back there. So that's what we're trying to do. Hopefully we'll get that done in 2022. And then with 2023, we won't have more than, say, a half dozen episodes in the backlog at any given time. And that's kind of like what I'd like. I'd like to have a few episodes in the backlog. I'd like to have that as sort of a spacer. But I never want to get to the point where we have dozens of episodes in the backlog again. So that's enough of me nattering on, I think. Join us back next week when Bruce Campbell will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 cast is a proud member of the ESO network.
has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.